You're listening to Modded. Today's episode, we're going to be talking to David Lee. He drives a modified 2007 Toyota Camry. It's got a full metal wide body, and he's got some big plans coming forward. Part of Team Endless Projects in Texas chapter. So, I guess we could start with what made you start with the Camry. Um, that's uh, so the Camry was basically my dad had given me the car when I had just graduated high school. And kind of he gave me the car and said, hey, so you got this car. It's pretty nice. Now just don't sell it because I know you want, you like cars and you want to do other stuff. I mean, at the time I didn't really know anything about how to modify cars correctly or anything. But, and so I was like, well, geez, if I can't sell it, well, I guess I'll just start doing like little ricer mods to it and stuff like that. And as I went to college and I brought my car over to Texas because I was originally from Connecticut. So I moved the car down to Texas, and then I started seeing all the cars, like the VIP-style car. I started seeing VIP-style cars a lot in Texas um, when I went to shows and stuff like that. And I was like, that's really cool. And um, after I saw that, I was like, wow, I'm doing like everything completely wrong. <laughs> well, let's, let's start so, there. Like, How do you explain what VIP-style is, where did it come from, and what made you get into it, really? Um, so VIP-style, um, or... Well, first I should explain that there's a difference between VIP and VIP style cars. Um, in Japan, uh, VIP is really specific to certain platforms. So, for example, uh, JZX 160 or 161, which is basically like um, a Toyota Aristo or a GS300. Um, or like an LS400 or um, you got like the Fugas, which are basically M's. Um, the infinity m's mm-hmm. so th- there's very mo- most of them are like big bodied luxury sedans that people modify but the history behind it is really it was kind of a yakuza style of um of uh, modifying cars and it just became a thing where people started doing that to other platforms as well which is how vip style comes into play so vip cars are really platform cars to specific to certain cars and then vip style is just kind of everything else that's done in that style um but uh a lot of yeah a lot of it is uh yakuza inspired um back in the day and it's very much so just basically luxury cars that are modified to look aggressive and low Uh, although originally they didn't have a lot of camber they kind of nowadays they just kind of adopted that with the whole stance craze that happened so but what were you saying about, we were talking about this uh, just yesterday, like how did the Yakuza come into play? Like why did they start modifying their cars that uh, way? Part of it uh, from how I understand it is that uh, they were kind of doing it to blend in a little bit and it was just kind of like the style they did because like a lot of the lower level people couldn't afford these Bentleys or, um, you know, Rolls Royces that the higher level people would have so they would take basically the normal japanese luxury cars that they have and they would try to make them better so you would add like these curtains and stuff like and trays and stuff like that the things you would find in these crazy ultra luxury sedans that you just wouldn't get in a gs or a uh, ls or something like that and by doing that you kind of feel like you're you're one of the guys um and so that kind of was a thing and then it kind of just became popularized in general car culture um, from what I understand, the Yakuza don't really do that anymore. Um, 
which is uh, it just came just like a car culture. Thing. But now it's more. Cool. It's not even that they're doing that. Like you're saying, they've moved on to crazier, more luxurious oh, yes, cars, yeah. right? So now it's become a thing to modify Lambos yes. to the craziest extent, and not even you're not even blending in anymore. You're standing out as much as you can, right. which is like definitely going against Japanese society and it's, culture as we know it today. Yeah, because Japanese society is very much. Um, they have these strict rules and you got to follow these rules to a T because everyone, you have to be a cog in a machine and you have to make sure that you're doing what you need to do to make sure that machine runs smoothly. But obviously what that does is add stress on people. And so that's the reason why people try to express themselves through say cars or it's not just like the Yakuza guys with the Lambos. It's also like in the Kanjo, you got the civics that just make a ton of noise mm-hmm. and they love doing that because it's just like, it's an outlet for them. Um, or you have the people that go drifting in the mountains. They're not supposed to be doing that, but it's an outlet for them. So I feel like a lot of that is just Japanese car culture in general. So, yeah. But that's, uh, you see that so obviously whenever you go over to Japan, especially like when you're in the subway system, going in, regular work hours, especially rush hour, everybody's blending in, Mm -hmm. keeping it themselves. And for the most part, they're wearing the exact same colors. Like they have your blues, your uh, grays, your blacks, and that's it. Everyone is right. wearing dull muted colors. And then you see a guy randomly standing out with some, I don't know, purple shirt, magenta shirt. And you're just like, there's something, there's different about this guy. Like this guy is not part of the everyday culture. He's, he's doing right. his own thing. Right. So it's, it's definitely like going against everything that's known. And I think that's a little bit why... They're so targeted because it's just like you're you stand out mm-hmm. and we gotta we gotta kind of do something to make you fall back in line like any little thing like they're right. so against modifying your cars and it's, it's it's difficult enough to have a car over there but they're just against making it um, making it easier for you to modify your vehicle especially like we found out actually, like the biggest thing that they'll pull you over for is if your tires stick out past your fender oh, line right. yeah. yeah that's pretty crazy and like. Um... I mean, I was talking to uh, one of my friends, Yuya, over in uh, Tokyo when I was there for Tokyo Auto Salon earlier this year, and he was saying like how ridiculously expensive it is just to register the car. And when you modify a car, the reason why they like bolt-on so much in Japan is just because, um, you know, when you come to inspection time, those bolt-ons aren't going to pass inspection, and like inspection's like a, maybe a grand or two depending on the car that you have, if it's especially if it's a sports car, um, like an R33, which he has. Um, so what they do is they buy all bolt-on parts so they can just take them off, put the stock parts back in, get it registered again, and then, you know, put it all back on. And, you know, that's easier than if you fabricate a bunch of stuff and, you know, weld, like, intercooler piping and stuff like that. How are you going to remove that? Yeah, you know, no, so, so, right. But then it also goes, like, ties back into the Yakuza because they're not worried about any of that sort of thing. Like, no cop is messing with them. And, I mean, it's right. obvious when you have money and it's obvious when there's something different about you and you're part of of that group Mm -hmm. because your car is like none other out there and you're you're still like untouched no one's messing with you right so yeah i mean it's uh when you have um influence it's really like you're just almost like you're untouchable and i feel like that's why that the whole vip style kind of took off and became really flashy after it got into car culture because people just like they they like that feeling of like you know i want to stand out i want to be unique i don't want to be just like another person dressed in the same colored suit and stuff like that 
And um, so, I mean, that's why you see all these wacky cars. Like, you see these wacky interiors that these VIP cars do. You know, it's like the craziest colors. Like orange, It's like Pepto-Bismol pink, <laughs> pink yeah. with blue. It's like, it's, in, it's insane. But yeah. it's not, like, clarifying that it's not just the Yakuza that are doing it now. It ties into oh, everybody. Yeah, everyone, yeah. yeah, everybody. And just like we were looking at that uh, US VIP or the VIP style magazine that we were looking at mm-hmm. yesterday, it's everyday people that just want to sort of do something right. different yeah. like it's it, not just uh, yeah vip is not just uh yakuza anymore it's 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 really everyone i mean even in the u.s like uh some of the ogs in the u.s scene like um vsc john or um you know uh, auto fashion freddy they've been around forever they brought it over here and now you know now you got people all over the united states that just want to have a nice luxury car or like maybe mm-hmm. they really like Lexuses mm-hmm. and that's just the style that they think is the correct style for a Lexus. But then you got people that are like crazy and they're redefining what VIP is. You got people like um, Adam Arms who mm-hmm. has this crazy IS250 which is technically not a platform car uh, but it's, he's redefining this category called GT VIP and you got people like in Houston Janelle too. Um, they got these aim game kits that are ridiculous with a crazy wide body and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And that's not that's not original VIP at all. That's kind of taking the aspects of what's popular also in, um, I guess, what you would call street culture with more like street style builds and, you know, a lot of the over fender craze or the um, bolt on fender craze. And almost applying that to VIP cars too. And like aim games recognizing that I think they're one of the biggest VIP companies that are out there that are pushing the envelope. I was, as well as like Artist Hand Spirits makes a lot of stuff too. Um, especially recently, they've started moving away from those uh, sedans. Like they started doing coupes too, like the new Lexus LC. They started making a bunch of stuff like that too. And so it's kind of weird. It's like everything is kind of meshing together. You know, street is inspiring VIP, VIP is inspiring other stuff too. And it's just kind of like that's just what japan likes to do is well, just people take are things, you know? they're recognizing the popularity across several platforms and especially like when it's becoming so much of a big business why aren't you going to tap into that why aren't you going to go ahead and access mm-hmm. all the different platforms and not just the big body sedans yeah i mean and, and part of it is a lot of these shops um the vast majority of vip shops i would say are pretty small i mean you got big ones like that sell a lot of stuff like walled aim gain mm-hmm. and artisan spirits but then you got smaller shops like Mode Parfum that won't even go out to uh, Tokyo Auto Salon because it's ridiculously expensive. They yeah. can't afford that. No, a lot of that stuff is just word of mouth, like people spreading individual yeah. owners that find out about them from Instagram or from some guy who knows somebody in Japan. They find out about this company and they get that. They do it well. They execute it well. Their mm-hmm. car stands out and then people are asking, well, what kid is it? Who is this company? And that's how it's really taking off. I mean, so it's, right. Like, one of the easiest things to do now. Social media is a huge part of that because, like, some of these people would never have been discovered without that and stuff like that. I mean, like, um, the only way I hear about, like, say, Mode Parfume stuff, like, they they just came out with that wide body kit and that kit for the S2K. Mm -hmm. And, like, I would have never known about that without Instagram and whatever they've been posting and auto fashion has been posting with that stuff. So, and I know, like... Um, YouTube videos too like you don't hear about a lot of these shops and that's just how you kind of learn is mm-hmm. like um, you were showing me that Varus video and stuff like yeah. that too so um, although there's also a lot of companies that are just kind of like up and coming that are replica companies too and that's it's like as a new person that's not into the scene at all and you don't know really the difference between replica or real or if there even is a difference like car parts are just car parts 
um, it's getting increasingly more difficult because you can't, you don't really know who to believe anymore on the internet because you just got a bunch of information just going around. So. But before we get into that, let's go back to your car because we're talking about all these companies that make different parts for all these specific platforms, but your car is not a platform car. So how did you go about making your car what it is now? Um, part of it is, first, I got a lot of inspiration from a lot of people. It's just like really going to shows because I think the first show this is like way before I even know anything about cars. Like I didn't even know what JDM meant or anything like that. Trust me, I did not know literally what the word JDM was in college. No way, I knew nothing <laughs> about that until like I actually got the Subaru. Right. So because like um, I think I went to Hot Import Nights and I think the first one of the first cars I saw was this black LS460 from California. I have no clue whose car it was. But it was like one of the cleanest, most elegant cars I saw. And I was just like, that thing looks badass. I don't know what that style is called or how you do it, but I want something like that. And really, it took me a while because like, you know, they don't make any parts for my car. I mean, other than like maybe Thailand makes these crazy body kits, but it's completely unattainable. Like, there's no way you're going to get that without paying a ton. Yeah, Thailand is all about custom kits, like Rocket Bunny style kits. They're gorgeous, right? Oh, yeah. But you're not, there's but no they're way they're also can... way over the top, yeah. which is something I didn't want. I wanted something more simple and toned down, um, as I like to say, OEM plus. Yeah. Uh, basically, like, oh, it could have come out of the factory like that. Um, so what ended up happening was, like, I just met a lot of people that were just really creative, like, for example, Sonny. And actually how my front bumper ended up happening, which is basically a GS grafted to a Camry bumper um, with a Skipper Japan front lip. And that was kind of a complete joke. It was just like uh, we were sitting there one night, you know, joking around like, hey, let's Photoshop an ISF bumper on a Camry and see what it looks like. And I was like, no, 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 that doesn't look good. And then Sonny's like, well, let's just do a GS F-Sport bumper. And then I was like, holy crap, that looks good. Um, who can we find that can do this? <laughs> so, and part of it was collecting parts too. Um, of course, I was I was trying to find the best quality parts, so I basically bought the OEM bumpers, and then I had to get that skipper lip and stuff like that too. So, uh, but a lot of this stuff is just kind of like you see things, and then you start to learn more about that scene, and then really what you do is you just try to apply your own creativity to it. You see what you like, and you try to take the aspects of not just the VIP car scene, but any cars, like any scene in general. And you try to apply that knowledge to um, your car. So for example, like the bag setup, I learned about bags from these bag truck guys over in Waco. And it was like crazy, the stuff that they do. They have to cut entire, like the whole inside portion of the fender and everything to get the wheel to tuck all the way. Cause they like putting these gigantic wheels all the way up in the, and sometimes you got hood clearance issues with the wheel. Um, and they got to do way more work than cars do because anyone that says that bagging a car is tough to look at trucks because they got, they, cars are just basically, it's almost bolt on in a way. So, uh, but I learned about that from that and then like lighting stuff, um, you know, it's almost like a ricer thing to like all this lighting stuff, but you know, they have stuff to offer too. Um, you know, you like this, the wide body is kind of like an old, older um, racing style type of thing to do um, but I like that look too you know you grab little things of inspiration and then you just put it all together and you just kind of create something that represents you um, when you're doing custom work like that 
And it's not like I just woke up one day and I'm like, oh, this is exactly what my car is going to look like because I was sitting around for a while. Like, I don't know. I just wanted to look good. I don't know what, was, what to do. So, um, and it's, it's kind of tough too because, you know, a lot of cars, it's easy. You, you know, you just look online, like the GS. You just look online. There's like 20 something kits out there and you're like, oh, which one looks the best? I'll just buy that one. But when you have to create something, you have to really like think hard about it. But then that's only half the battle. The other half of the battle is finding someone that can actually execute that work. Because I sure as hell cannot do that work. That would just that would just look awful. Probably look like a Camry with cardboard all over it. <laughs> so. I think it's a little bit different now too, because of Instagram, and we see the cars that are out there right now, and it's far easier for us to see and imagine like what we want the car to look like. Because you and I probably started around the same time just a few years ago. And back then, it wasn't as easy to like know where the parts were from, mm-hmm. who could do it. And we just kind of had to have our own idea. But now, if you start now, I mean, you could look and say that, okay, I want to get an FRS. I want to get this kit for it. These wheels and tires with these specs, mm-hmm. this color, these interior pieces. And then, boom, that's your that's your car. I mean, even like back in the forum days, you could like look up and like see, oh, look at these offsets and widths that people are using. It looks exactly like I want exactly that fitment. And then you just copy it. And then basically you do that. Um, um, but yeah, I think Instagram has made it much easier because you can connect with people much easier. And you, you hear about these shops that can do stuff too, even fabrication. Like you hear about like, for example, Ulterior Motives doing those wide body, metal wide bodies. Mm-hmm. And they've almost pretty much got that down to an art um, where you don't really have to do much guessing work on it. So, um, yeah, back then it was like, I mean, if you're not in California, it's, it's hard to find a place that has a reputation that's going to be seen online. Mm-hmm. Um, especially a lot of the body shops, at least that I know of in Houston, are much low, more low key than those Cali shops where you'll like see all their bills and you'll know that this shop did that and stuff like that. Cause uh, the guy that did my body work, he's super low key and he's the coolest guy ever. I think he just genuinely enjoys doing body work and um, it's not really about like getting any fame or getting money off of it or anything. He just wants to create something. Um, but he's done a, a ton of magnificent cars in Houston. He's actually done Janelle and, um, and Adam's cars, as well as Alex's old G35, um, for anyone that knows that. And um, I think he did an IS350 or 250 in Dallas, too. But I forget what his name is. Yeah. So. But I think that's something that, um, like, these shops, especially the ones in California, they're carrying a big name, and they carry big builds behind them. And so that's obviously going to drive up your cost. Oh, yeah. And at the same time, there's a lot of them out there, but still, like the cost to do any type of good body work is is extravagant. I mean, it ends up being as much, if not more, than the stuff that you bought for it, because mm-hmm. like it, it goes along with uh, with the virus kit. And people people don't understand that like a lot of this stuff is because you have a custom metal wide body, meaning mm-hmm. like it is all done to fit your car. It's not pressed and and uh, made for it, and all of the other kits like they still require fitting even like the really good brand name like well-known kits are still going to take a lot of work to fit it in and people don't realize like you're going to spend twice the amount of money that you're initially thinking like with any build 
you have a budget or you have an idea of what it's going to cost and you're just you have no idea if that's going to end up being because a lot of times you're going to end up being 50% more into it or 100% more than you initially thought mm-hmm. and like people aren't wary of the shops that they're choosing that's why we go to these extreme lengths to uh, find the right quality body shop the right shop to just mount your wheels and tires and not mess up these wheels right. that you spent like three or four thousand dollars on right I drove my car all the way to California without a front bumper with my air suspension maxed out as high as it would go and that's a 24-hour drive and that's just to go to a shop that had worked with these body kits before that knew what they were doing mm-hmm. that would get the fitment right and that could do quality paint and body work like that's just like what you have to do to make it look the way that it right. does now i think a lot of um people that i guess aren't familiar with cars as much and how like doing all this body work stuff they need to realize that you know even the the body the expensive body kits like you know 10 15 i mean some of them go all the way up to like 50 grand like if you're talking about prior design or something like that prior design or if you're talking about uh veil side yeah. the veil I mean, side the, fortune kit for the yeah. fd I mean, it doesn't matter even what kit you're talking about. It's not going to fit perfectly mm-hmm. right out the gate. I mean, those those are all based on molds, and you got to understand they're all based on molds, and so it's never going to be a perfect copy of the original. And that's why you need a good body guy, and not only just because you need to do the body work to like mold it into the spot that you need to do it at, but also because of the paint. Um, and people cheap out on paint all the time, and as much as you think people don't notice, people notice that it doesn't look as here all the time yeah. you go to a show and then it's like it's not it's not the young guys like they they don't like i think guys in high school or even college like even even i didn't know until a few years ago like what quality uh paint was but then mm-hmm. the old guys come in the ogs and they'll look at your stuff and they'll know right away whether or not you skimped out and it's just like there's nothing that's going to compare it to paint mm-hmm. regardless of like what you think about dip and I think like there's good quality wraps out there, good quality material, excellent shops. Like it, I just don't think that it can compare to what paint looks like. And it's a reason why people spend like ten to thirty thousand dollars on paint because right. it looks magnificent. I mean, like you can um, even if your five thousand dollar paint job looked great, you can still tell the difference between a five thousand dollar paint job and a ten thousand dollar paint mm-hmm. job. And if you're one of those people that says that you can't tell the difference it's probably because you haven't seen a paint job that is that good because mm-hmm. i was at lone star throwdown a couple weeks ago and my god some of the paint there is just amazing i mean if you want to see good paint i would say go venture out of uh import shows because mm-hmm. a lot of these import guys won't spend that money no. not, not to say that not everyone will mm-hmm. but there are there are people that will but the vast majority won't spend that much. I mean, for various reasons, just like cost, obviously. And then, um, I mean, they're younger people. There's just no way that they could afford something this crazy. I mean, sometimes you can't justify it. Um, that's, I think that's, that's a question with any bill is like whether you can even afford like, um, well, that's when you get into a lot of debates. Yeah. You get like replica kits versus real kits. Mm -hmm. Well, it's all fiberglass. Well, then you're talking about, how thick is the fiberglass? Can it actually flex? Um, you know, is the fitment even good? Uh, I mean, I've heard people that um, I have friends that have bought the replica because they know that the originals don't even fit that good, and they just take into account to graft it to a stock bumper to make it fit better, and that's a lot of work. That's a lot more work than <laughs> trying just to fit the original bumper. But go back to the so, quality paint. Like, where where do we go to look at quality um, paint? Honestly, you got to look to other scenes, and I think 
that's something import people don't do enough is just to venture out of just their own circle. Um, um, because you got like the bag truck scene, you got lifted trucks, you got low riders, you got, I mean, heck even the swingers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, some of those people have crazy paint and yeah, swingers, you, know, you look yeah. past it just because you see the crazy wheels and you don't like that style. But, but they're a mix. Like, I mean, if you got swingers you could be a low rider as well with swingers right. too, right? I think like as a car person, if you're an all around car person, you'll look past the style and look more towards the execution of the car. Because, you know, no matter what, there's going to be someone that does something that you don't like um, because everyone does something differently. So, but you can't deny when you look at a car with good paint or good body work or whatever, good execution on anything, good metal work, um, engravings, like mm-hmm. you see the craziest stuff. Mm-hmm. You can't deny when you see good work and good work is just good work. It doesn't matter what the style is. It's just good work. And so when you see those crazy like murals that people put on their mm-hmm. hoods and stuff like that, you might not ever do that on your like yeah. on your WRX or FD or whatever car you have. But you look at that and you're like, that's amazing. Work. Some so, I'm gonna tell you right now, some guys have done it, and I I was like, Phew. yeah. I mean, I mean, you would might never do it, but yeah. you're gonna be you're gonna be sitting there, and you're gonna be like, I'm, an, I'm wow. I'll say like, okay, it's not it's not a low rider. Yeah, like plain and simple, like your Impreza is not a low rider, so. It doesn't, I don't necessarily agree with people doing that. Mm-hmm. But now if it's on, like go back to being like the right platform, if it's on an Impala, mm-hmm. but it's on some classic American car that's mm-hmm. been turned into a lowrider, then yeah, honestly. See, that's when you get into the point of like, is that being too purist about it? Like, does it really matter what the platform is? Because then people are going to come, you know, say to me like, hey, your Camry's not a VIP platform, which people have in the past. And to me, it's like, does it really matter? <laughs> Because as long as you're executing it well and you're, you know, you, you're making the car the best it can be and not just making it junk, I don't think it really matters that yeah, much. I guess, so. yeah, you're definitely right because looking at your car, there's not another one like it. And you would have never think that, you would have never thought that you could make a Camry look the way that yours does. I mean, it's beyond, it's really beyond a Camry now. It's It looks like a luxury Lexus sedan and plain and simple, especially because right. it's got the GS front bumper in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we've seen like examples of cars that you normally think like, oh, it's it's just uh, whatever vehicle, and then people turn it into something like really beautiful. Um, Jeremiah, he's got his Volvo mm-hmm. that he put on bags, and he put it on like these Tealmeisters mm-hmm. with the really nice trunk setup done by my friend Austin. It's like, all right, you look at that Volvo, you would have never thought that anybody could do anything with that right. plain. Or like a family wagon or anything like that. But it, it's, it's really gorgeous. just a love of the machine. Yeah. You have to have a love for the machine. That anything, means. like honestly, like de- depending on how far you're willing to go with it mm-hmm. and how well you're going to execute it, anything could become a beautifully modified car. And that's what's great about like the, the scene. Like It doesn't matter what it is. Like If you're going to put your heart and soul into it, you want to make something beautiful, mm-hmm. work with whatever it is that you got, it's possible. It's yeah. definitely possible. I mean, really, it's like what people don't realize is that no one's modifying, at least you shouldn't be modifying your car for other people. You should be modifying it for yourself. Because there are plenty of Camry people that are very proud of their first generation Camry mm-hmm. from the 80s. And, you know, that's so rare. And it doesn't. people don't even know what it looks like. And it might not even be perfect, but they're just proud of that car. And maybe no one else in the world cares about that except them. But as long as it means something to them, um, that's the that's the point. 
Now, then you get into arguments about a, other, a bunch of other things, and then you got, like, you know, Porsche people get finicky about, you know... Oh, yeah, the, what's, what's the right thing? And it's yeah. it's always been, as far as, like, when I remember getting into modifying uh, my WRX, that was a big star argument. You're ruining the car. Ruining is always, like, just a... Ruining. Ruining is, is broad like... <laughs> it's broad, but it's, it's always meant, at least my my thoughts on it are that it's meant that you're taking the Subaru and doing something that wasn't its original intention. And people think of Subaru and they think of the rallying history mm-hmm. and they see you know, people like Travis Pastrana, they think of Colin McRae driving it through like these wooded areas, like these crazy dirt and rally tracks. Mm-hmm. And they think like anything that is against those origins is sacrilege like you cannot right. go ahead and do that i mean like let's let's look beyond i mean beyond show cars i mean even just people that are building things for the street you got people like um and as we sit here and we listen yeah, texas, 2K going texas on, so. 2k yeah so right now <laughs> it is texas 2k time or pre-texas 2k but of course i live right next to one of the straightest and like least used highways so <laughs> people will run these i mean it's this week yeah it's it, gonna be that's crazy. all you're gonna hear yeah. it's all you're gonna hear so. from my window is these people running and like unfortunately for me unfortunately like there's an e85 station like oh, a few blocks from where i'm living right now people come here just like last night they'll fill up and they'll run it and we're far enough from town to where like it's not going to really draw too much attention but of course because there's nothing blocking the sound you hear this for miles so <laughs> that's kind of where we're at now yeah but what i was saying was um even beyond just show cars because we're, we're talking about like modifying the appearance of a car i mean you got people that are doing say ls swaps mm-hmm. in an fd 2j swaps in an fd or i mean 2J swaps in an STI or a WRX. Um, RB swap, of course. RB swaps. Yeah. LS swaps in anything, yeah, basically. Anything. Miata. Um, Even mean, if it doesn't fit, it'll, yeah. they'll make it fit. Yeah. So. And, you know, there are people that are going to be out there and they're going to say, that's sacrilege. And, you know, if you're throwing off the balance of the car. It's not 50-50 balance ratio or whatever it is. Um, but really, is that the point? Like, why? I don't understand why sometimes why people care so much about someone else's car. Um, maybe they feel protective because they have that car. Well, sometimes they don't even have that car, but maybe they feel protective for the brand or something like that. But I mean, then you have people, even like the, the new super concept, there's rumors going around that it might be an M motor or something like that. And they're like, well, that's sacrilege. You can't decide that. Every, everybody's going to be a little bit snobby about it. It's the same way where, uh, every, as much as you can say that you're like a good person, everyone has a bit of judgment on them. Like it's just, it's just part of being a person. That's mm-hmm. why you feel like you have your opinions on things and you say that this is, this is, or I guess it's what you're comfortable with. Like, this is what I know. This is what I'm used to. I'm comfortable with mm-hmm. something that's different. I don't know why it might bother me. And I think it's a matter you don't of just like that you're out of your comfort zone. And exactly. That's completely that. understandable to some degree. Um, but once you venture out of that comfort zone, that's when you discover this whole new world of stuff that you just didn't know was even out there. Um, I mean, especially like when we're talking about engine swaps, you're like, Whoa. you put this LS motor in there, uh, in like a like 2J motor in a Subaru, like all of a sudden you're like, oh wow, I can just put this crazy amount of power into this chassis. That's crazy. That's nothing I was able, nothing mm-hmm. I could do before without spending a ton of money on it. You know. Or, like, now you just change the entire dynamic of the car to a real-wheel drive mm-hmm. car. How's that going to drive, you know? Um, and, like, you, I mean, even drift car builds, you got people, like, deciding between 1Js, 2Js, or 
LS swap it mm-hmm. or I mean now people are even taking Corvettes and Mustangs and drifting those because there's some of them are pretty cheap now you know the the sky's the limit and the thing is you can really create anything with anything you got all these building blocks in this all these companies that can make custom parts and stuff like that it's really about having the vision and having the idea and taking it and building what you need to create doing whatever it is that makes you happy i mean really like you learn a lot about in in modifying cars you learn a lot about being tolerant like having tolerance having acceptance Mm -hmm. because a lot of it is different a lot of it is stuff that you aren't going to be doing that you don't necessarily agree with but you're accepting of it because everyone is sort of tied into the same idea that we we love to do this thing like we love to modify cars make something unique and make it a representation of us and you're not necessarily going to agree mm-hmm. with what we're doing with it but i hope that you can understand like that we're all still part of of this this thing this movement of modifying mm-hmm. so I mean, it's it's good. Like you, people don't. I, I don't think it's it's like the deeper nature of the things that we do. I don't think people really take that into account. That like we're very uh, we're very accepting for the most part. Like there, of course, there's always going to be some sort of argument or there's going to be an issue that pops up. Someone says something. I mean, sometimes I think it's just, um, and I'll be admit it too. Like sometimes when we judge things or say bad things about things, it's just because we don't understand. And maybe it's just our ignorance that we don't, we're not into that scene. Like, we look at swangers and them driving down the road like that, and we mm-hmm. think it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. How we think but how... We're not in that scene. We don't know what sort of work they're putting into their cars. What do we see that... Like, if I went to a lowrider show and I saw them bouncing up and down, I have no clue how that thing works. Yeah. Um, now, if someone was there to explain to me, like, when I went to LST, someone was explaining to me um, some of these lifted trucks and some of these bag trucks and all the work that goes into them and the custom frames and stuff like that. And just to like, and where you mount the engine transmission in that, all that, that's just a crazy amount of things that I would not have known about if someone was not there to explain to me. And that's the difficult part is it's hard to find people that are willing to bridge the gap between different. Or being, scenes. being quick to judgment. Yeah. The thing being like quick to judgment. Part of human nature. Like right away you see something. That I catch myself like, in it all the time. Yeah. So, that people are like, I mean, we can't talk enough about lowriders just because it's like such an exceptional, like these, these cars are exceptional. People don't understand. And I think it was really like, if, if anybody has the time to look at the episode of Jay Leno's Garage where he's talking mm-hmm. to those two lowrider builders, like seeing the quality of the paint on the black lowrider that he's dealing with and then taking a look at the crazy like orange and mixed paint job that's on the other one, like... That car is so immaculate that the fender, the fender, like the, the wheel wells are painted. The bottom of the car is painted and it is spotless. Like right. the amount of money and time and labor that is into those vehicles is comparable to any car out there, beyond any car out there. Like people don't understand the attention to detail and the amount of mm-hmm. money that people are, are, are putting people into it. realize it's like when you build cars, cars aren't just, they don't have just one purpose. Um, I mean... You can be a go fast person. You could be all style person. You could be everything combined to one. And the thing is, like, some people are of the mentality, why have a car if it's not fast? And it's like, well, that's not the point. Like, not all cars are supposed to be fast. And that even in Japan, then some people, a lot of people don't care about power yeah, that nope, much. Not one they bit. just want a healthy amount of power to be able to come out of corners, but. They care more about cornering than they do straight line speed. But here in Texas, obviously, we have just straight highways. And that's pretty or being, much it. So. being different. 
being because, different. Like, trying to break that, trying to making, break that monotony. Even making noise, the Bozozoku guys, mm-hmm. or having the wackiest thing, like the a front lip that's like 10, 15 feet mm-hmm. ahead of your car. Yeah. Um, like, I don't even know how you even get out of driveways with that thing. So, um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't, it's, it's just like, I think people just need to open their minds up to different things. And if you don't understand it, at least try to understand it is, is really the thing. You you have the right to have your own opinion, but you have to at least consider why people are doing things before you form your opinion. Because I think being ignorant, that's just kind of taking people and separating them apart. Whereas, you know, a lot of people, a lot of scenes, they have at least something to offer to your car. If you look deep enough, there's probably something that can be done mm-hmm. to your car that is from another scene. Or you've done it already and you just don't know that it's from another scene. Or at least, like, uh, what I want to do with my engine bay. Like, looking at classic American muscle cars, a lot mm-hmm. of what was underneath the hood was chrome. It was polished, black, and, like, that was it. Nowadays, a lot of people are going with uh, a lot of powder coat, a lot of crazy colors. Mm-hmm. And I want to take, like, the inspiration from that, uh, from American muscle from lowriders and put it into uh my engine bay just because i think that that's it's like a beautiful thing like when you open up the when you open up your hood the, your engine should be sort of like opening up a jewelry box like inside you have a centerpiece or inside you have something that catches people's attention mm-hmm. i think it's i mean it's the reason why people shave and tuck their uh engine base because they want like the engine to be the focus so they want to have like a central focus on the car and it was just like that truck that you showed me a lone star throat and i mean like everything outside of the engine was covered underneath like some metal work oh, yeah. and all it just drove into and all you see is the engine like dead center right so. i mean the, i think one of the craziest things is this guy just wanted to show off this diff in the back of the bed of the truck and he had a little opening just for you and you can see this polished diff just right there through the bed of the truck without like without completely sacrificing the entire bed of the truck and i think that was like one of the most and I think that, that truck actually won best of show, I think, at Lone Star Throwdown. It had this crazy, like, deep red paint. And it just, like, drew you in and just looked like endless layers of gloss. It was, it was pretty crazy. So, um, sometimes I wish I knew people in all these other scenes um, so I could go out to more stuff like this. Because I think, I mean, just like, just like anything, I think when you inform yourself on what's out there, you really open up the opportunity to see all these crazy things. That's basically what Japan does. I mean, they copy us a lot of the time, which is mm-hmm. kind of hilarious because we're copying them. But um, like this whole USDM style thing um, that's going on, where like almost like the whole stance camber thing, I feel like it almost came from us, I think, as some, or Europe or one of the two. Somebody amplified it somewhere. It started somewhere and then it was just taken to a whole another level. And it was level. just copied and copied and copied yeah, and but copied. <laughs> I feel like it, now it's it's becoming more of like, okay, you're you're really doing it for the attention. It's obvious. Like, that's why you're going. Like, you're fitting the widest wheels and tires possible. Right. I mean, like, the thing is, like, um, I know a lot of people, there's a lot of people there that have no problem with camber whatsoever, but there's also a lot of people that hate negative camber. Any degree of negative camber is just awful. And the thing is, I don't personally have a problem with camber itself, but you have to be having camber for a purpose. You can't just have camber just to be cambered. Like if if you're gonna camber it like crazy, maybe it's to fit the wheels under it, or you want it that specific angle. Um, 
but don't like Oni Camber it and have the worst fitment in the world. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't flow, you know. But personally, I would don't want anything more than negative three on my car. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that's gonna have to be something that, regardless of who I'm talking with, like I'm gonna have to understand why they want to go. If if someone has a crazy amount of camber, yeah. why? I mean, like, like let's think of some car, like uh, Elvis Gender's LS. Mm-hmm. That thing had a crazy amount of it camber. Had a lot. And I mean, think I think most of Elvis's cars, except maybe the FRS, I don't remember how much camber was on the FRS, but most of his cars have a lot of camber. But that car is still beautiful, and when you look at it, you mm-hmm. just want to keep looking at that car. And that makes you think, like, the car goes beyond just the camber. The camber doesn't define the car, but it does beg the question why the camber um and on the flip side people being way too negative about camber it's like is camber really that big of a deal to you that you just can't appreciate a car for anything else because of that camber so um i think part of it's just not being too close-minded but also part of it is having purpose in everything that you do too so there's both sides of the argument there so you also have to think about like you're making a you're making kind of a statement and having that much camber, or like you're going mm-hmm. for an aesthetic to have that much that much camber, but your functionality is dramatically reduced. Right. I mean, you you understand that you and can't even that, you can't deny that it's it's, yeah. it's a fact. And yeah. Like even if you, if you don't say like oh no well I daily it like this well mm-hmm. yeah but you know yeah. you already know if you didn't have any camber you could go on those tires for way longer. So there's that. I mean safety for one. Whatever it is that you're scraping. I mean, I've, I've seen a car, I think it was probably, I, I want to say it was the Legacy that they made into a convertible. I think it was the car in Japan and, and it had some uh, some Itasha livery on the side. But it was so low that it ground down the control arm and the control arm was no longer holding it at the bolt. I mean, you're talking about literally, it was like a half. Mm-hmm. That's how crazy low. So this thing, so, so you think like, okay, this is, that's your car. I appreciate it. You did, you did what you wanted with it. You think that it looks awesome, but you got to like, keep in mind, like you have no more control. I mean, you have no more control yeah. of your car. Like, What's going to happen with the car? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, are you going to go that far with it? And I guess you could say like with any art, you're, there's, there's going to be some some risk or you're gonna you're gonna take a risk in order to create some art but like these are these are not put up on a wall they're not put up on a pedestal like you still have to drive these around unless you trailer it everywhere of course but like mm-hmm. are you just gonna go to the point of creating art to where you can't drive your car at all mm-hmm. i don't know and, and well like it look, like even like the cars that just slam it on the ground static instead of going bags and there, there is a whole static versus bags debate, but a lot of the people that swear by static is just like bags is for fags kind of thing. And it's like, um, and a lot of them are kind of misunderstanding things too. Cause they're like, well, in Japan, they don't go static. That's not true. People in Japan do bag their cars. Mm-hmm. Um, there are bagged cars, plenty of them in Japan. Um, not to say to clarify, it's like a homophobic thing or more of just like your, you're kind of like a weak person if you bag no, your car. Like you're just like all. you're not tough. I mean, yeah. honestly, you bag your car, you care about your bodywork. Yeah, That's, you care yeah. about your bodywork. You care about functionality. You care about, um, or even like to some degree, what people don't realize also is like the 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 way it looks when it's airing down. Mm-hmm. It's um, because for me, I remember when I was playing the game uh, was Midnight Club Three or something like that, where you could bag a car and you would stop 
and you just see it slowly go down. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's people out there that just go static and they're like, well, in Japan they do that. But they need to realize, like, there is a context to that. Those roads are so ridiculously smooth that you can get away with that. And everything is well-maintained. Yeah, and in the, in the U.S., like, even if those static cars, I mean, there are a bunch of crappy cars in Japan, too. People have this misconception that everything in Japan is perfect. No. There are plenty of not mm-hmm. good cars in Japan. There are quote-unquote ricers over there, too. Yes, yes. So, um, but, um, yeah, but you have to put that in the context of the U.S. Because you're looking at the U.S., we do not, I mean, like, even our smooth roads aren't smooth. No. They go up, down, up, down, up, down. And, you know, if you're going to have a static car that's slammed all the way on the ground, there goes your frame because you keep scraping your people, frame. People, like, people don't realize they have to take into account flooding. Hurricane Harvey flooding, came around. Yeah. All of these, especially the new developments, like, all of this stuff has steep driveways. My friend came down from uh, Canada, and he drives a badge and cambered STI. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that he told me when I met up with him for dinner was, like, I've never seen such deep driveways coming from Canada. Flooding is not an issue over there, so everything is pretty smooth. Mm-hmm. And even like the house I'm in right now, it's a brand. Like, this community is only like two and a half, three years old, but I can't even get out of the driveway because <laughs> yeah. they made the driveway so steep. And I remember hearing like um, when Harvey happened, uh, people commented on why they made, why they didn't make the houses taller, why they didn't make the driveway steeper, or anything like that to take into account flooding. And I think a woman said that her, um, she was like a civil engineer. Her son was a civil engineer. And they said, you know, if we built these, if, they said, if we built these houses to take into account flooding of this magnitude, like they would be 17 feet into the air. Your driveway would be impossibly steep. Like you just can't build for stuff like that. We take into account some flooding, like mm-hmm. some some of that. But I mean, you, you just can't, we can't do the same things that That's Japan why you have does. Hundred-year floodplains, five-hundred-year mm-hmm. floodplains, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, and like not only that, you got potholes. Um, other drivers, you need to be able to react to other drivers. Mm-hmm. And if you're wor- more worried about, you know, oh, this this lane has a little dip in it, and mm-hmm. I can't go into that lane, so that way, therefore, I'm going to like get as close to this car as possible. You're not being considerate to other people. No, nope. uh, and just like just like today, the, trying to get off of the highway. Someone cuts over from the pay lane of the toll road or the toll exit to the easy tag part. And I have to slam on my brakes fully because that woman or whoever it was, like whatever person, uh, couldn't make up their mind. And then decided not only after after the fact that they changed on an exit, they changed lanes on an mm-hmm. exit, but stopped through the toll gate. Ridiculous, and like, yeah. And, and that could have been it. Like if you if you're not paying attention, if you're on your phone, if you're distracting any little bit, that could have been it for your car. Plain right. and simple. And I think what it has to be is also is is just like when you modify your car. Yes, it's an expression of you, but also your car is still a utility that's used on a public road. And um, it's not just the way you modify your car, but it's the way you drive. Because there's a lot of people that just drive ridiculously irresponsibly. Like yesterday, we saw on the way to Chinatown, we saw a Camaro. Mm-hmm. I guess he saw us and he thought he needed to like flex or something like that. And he just cut the corner. And as he was cutting the corner, he just mashed on the gas pedal and just almost completely lost control and almost went straight into um, basically the side of the overpass. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like crazy reckless driving. Like, you have, there's no reason you need to do that at all. Like, 
if you want to be noticed, like, you know, your car should just stand for itself. You don't need to make any noise, like go to meets. You don't need to do a burnout or anything like that. You know, if you feel like you need to do burnouts and stuff like that to feel cool, and if you think at all that you just need to feel cool at a car meet and you need to do what, everything you do, it just needs to make you cooler. What do you think that is in in people and like in in the car shows that we go to? Like, what is, what is it that is making people want to do that? Um, honestly, if you want me to be blunt, I think it's that a lot of these people that are doing that stuff. I mean, you know, there's people that genuinely like driving and they like the feeling of like a pole or something like that. And, you know, everyone's, not everyone's a perfect driver, you know, some people mess up. But the people that do that on a consistent basis, like the stuff you see, like the sideshows in uh, California or, you know, cars and coffee people spinning out and then hitting things and stuff like that. That stuff really is, it's, sometimes I feel like they're not actual car people. And they just are people that happen to have cars. Um, Because a car person appreciates... um, the community more than they do themselves um, because they wouldn't go out of the way to put people in danger. Not mm-hmm. only that, but they wouldn't do anything that would be detrimental to the community. You go, you go to cars and coffee and you know, already know they don't want burnouts. They don't mm-hmm. want loud noises. You already know there's going to be cops there or you go to the week fest pre-meet. There's going to be cops. There's a cop right behind you mm-hmm. yet. You still decide to do a burnout. Are you really a person that's a car enthusiast or are you just trying to, get a quick light on the gram or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think people have to question, you know, even the people that are just like do the wackiest things to their car that are incredibly unsafe or incredibly stupid. You have to consider, are you really into the car or are you just trying to get attention from it? You know? And I think it's almost like since fast and furious car modifying has almost become almost like a mainstream thing. Because it used to be a very underground thing, I feel like not many people would do it because it costs a lot of money, obviously. Mm-hmm. And especially with JDM parts, not many people knew about it or how to get it. Um, but now it's so easily accessible and so many replicas are out there. People are just doing it to be cool. And sometimes it makes me sad because it's like, how many of the people are actually car enthusiasts out there? And if it was just enthusiasts, would stuff like burnouts and people revving their engines like crazy or racing down the parking lot would that stuff happen mm-hmm. um, I mean there's a time and a place for that and you know at a Sam's Club an I-10 is not the place <laughs> so it's, it's yeah it's crazy to think of how it ends up and stuff like that can ruin stuff that has like shows that have been around for years mm-hmm. some one person being an idiot and it will completely shut you down it's why Cars and Coffee has been moved multiple times or why they're even changing the location of uh where it's at in the same little plaza or the amount of police enforcement it's even why the ogs won't even go out to meets anymore because they either they're worried about their car or they just think it's immature and they just don't want to go and then you're wondering why are these meets all turning to crap Mm -hmm. and just crappy cars are showing up it's because the immaturity of it no one no guy with a nice car is going to want to go to a show yeah there is like like just just last night at the meet that we went to some kid comes up to me and he like fully sticks his head into the car and I don't know if just like jokingly or whatever he's just like yeah man so what so what'd you do to it like kind of and I'm just like dude all right say hello introduce yourself something 
and respect personal space like you just like stuck your head and like you're right there next to me act like i know you or something if you're my friend it's different but i have no idea who you are and you're just like i i'm just some random person you're just a random person you think that you would do that to anybody else like no well even like i've heard in like another example car shows um like the dub car show i had a buddy that people just open his door and sit in his car and during the car show i'm like or even like um there was a GTR at Stance Nation last year. Someone just opened the GTR door and mm-hmm. sat in it and was like, oh, look, this is so cool. And, you know, the judges were just like, what the heck is this dude doing? You just sit in this guy's car. It's not It's not an auto show. What do mm-hmm. you think this is? It's not a showroom. You, these cars have actual owners. And I think people don't respect the property. You know, people go to car meets, touch your fenders, touch your wheels, you know. or Check like, your clearance. Yeah. People checking your clearance all the time. Yeah, especially, like, you know people spend hours washing their car they don't want someone's handprint just mm-hmm. right there and it should I, I thought it should be common sense but apparently it's not so because but like you said it's become a mainstream thing so people go to check this out they they don't necessarily like know that you're not supposed to do this kind of thing but on the other side a lot of this stuff is just common sense like something that your parents right. might have told you they told me like is that yours no okay then don't touch it it's not yours yeah. ask for permission that kind of thing Right. People just aren't aren't aware of that sort of stuff. But like Hot Import Nights, I remember 2015, the first and only Hot Import Nights that I went to, there was a big issue where uh, a model just took her foot, her high heel, and put it on the fender of like oh, the 30 famous, right? Yeah. Famous full carbon GTR, and just put it on there. And I don't know if it was a crack or a scratch, but regardless, like, why would anyone, I don't care what cars, would like they take a high heel and just put it on someone's fender. Like you're gonna damage it. You're gonna like you're gonna scratch it. You're gonna do something worse. Mm-hmm. Just like especially carbon fiber, you might crack it, and then that like the repair itself is gonna be tremendously expensive. You might just have to scrap the whole part if that's the case. Because whenever you're working with carbon fiber, if you're gonna redo the resin, you're gonna redo the clear. It's not gonna look the same as the original. So then you're stuck with the part that doesn't match, or that you're just gonna have to go ahead and replace. Mm-hmm. And people just aren't respecting that kind of thing, or on the on like a funnier side they're like back to a model like there there's always bikini models or more often than not there's bikini models at the shows that we go to mm-hmm. and i remember this guy had a white i think it was like an acura rsx and he had asked or maybe the model just kind of like took a picture in front of his car mm-hmm. sat down and uh, sure enough like when she walks away her spray tan from where she was sitting oh, on the guy's <laughs> hood well like she basically left her butt cheek compression on the hood of the car and the guy goes over there and wipes it up so i mean it's just like stuff like that that people should be aware of like just don't ask for permission if it's not yours like any other thing Mm -hmm. and just be more respectful when you're at a car show so yeah i'll close it out yeah well i mean i think a lot of the stuff that we're thinking about now has to do with uh acceptance and awareness and yeah. you you don't realize like how much it's it's stuff that plays into our daily lives and it's it, maybe it's like accentuated in uh, the car community because a lot of a lot of the stuff is sort of uh, extravagant it's over the top stuff that you're not used to things that might just rub you the wrong way but of course like that's someone's it, at the end of the day it's like our it's their expression it's what makes them who they are, how they want to represent themselves, and we kind of just have to go mm-hmm. about and say, like, hey, look, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it. As hard as that is, as hard as it is to say, like, 
you know, I know I don't like that, but regardless, like that's you and and I respect that. Right. I think overall, um, we just all need to start to understand each other more. Um, because I think people, I mean, it's just the world in general, people are more and more just in their own space and especially the internet makes it really easy for you just to get in your own space Mm -hmm. and not venture out. And I mean, not everything I say is right. You know, I have my opinions, you have your opinions, you know, not everyone's right all the time, but if we can have a conversation, at least people can come to understand each other better or at least agree to disagree or something like get to a respectable place of impasse or something like that. So, um, and you know, not every, and I think people just need to not think that everyone needs to be an expert at everything too. Cause like, I mean, I don't know everything either. So, and I'm still learning every day. Um, I'm a lot better than I was a few years ago, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm still a long way from being able to know like the amount of stuff that some of my friends know. So, um, I think people just need to basically respect each other, respect the cars and try to understand each other. And I think understand that we're all still growing, like you said, yeah. not just Everyone's the cars. Still growing. Yeah. 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 Even never the people that are OGs are still growing, you know? Yeah. So, or maybe the, the, even the OGs, a lot of the OGs I know have gotten to a point where they want they want to feel like that the next generation of car modifiers, car enthusiasts, they have something to look forward to and that they're building something new. Um, I think that's pretty much what John has told me is like, he just wants to, he just wants to know that he left the car community somewhere better than what he found it. And it's getting harder and harder for people like that. They're old and, you know, starting to get out of doing cars as much because of family and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's harder to feel that way when people are so divided and so hateful towards each other. So.